are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to this Thursday, December 10th edition of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs. We will be continuing our crossover series with Locked On Chiefs today, ahead of Sunday's big matchup between the Dolphins and defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. Also, a really interesting hypothetical question that I've been asked, plus some odds and ends throughout the course of the day yesterday. Today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi's here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. It's the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi. Made for football watching. So the odds and ends throughout the course of the day uh, trickling in yesterday. And one of which was the announcement that the Miami Dolphins have placed defensive back Jamal Perry on the reserve COVID-19 list. Perry is the second member of the Dolphins roster to be on the list at this point in time. The other is running back Matt Breida. Every team across the league is dealing with COVID issues at this point in time. Miami having already survived one outbreak scare of the virus earlier in the season, but that impacted more assistant coaches than it did actual players on the field. It will be interesting to see whether or not the Dolphins can avoid any additional losses to the roster. And unfortunately, these are circumstances that fall out of anybody's control at this point in time. Additional news, our guy Kyle Van Noy named the NFL's AFC Defensive Player of the Week for his effort in procuring the three-piece against the Cincinnati Bengals last week. Eight tackles, five tackles for loss, three sacks, and a pass defense which turned into a Nick Needham interception on the Bengals' final possession down inside the red zone. Tip of the cap to Kyle Van Noy. I know there's there's been some speculation on you know the contract that Van Noy was given, but uh, I, I have tried to kind of preach that Van Noy's value to this team extends beyond sack numbers, right? And getting three sacks and five tackles for a loss in a game, that's outstanding. But at the same time, Kyle Van Noy is the leader of the defense. Uh, he knows this defense intimately. He does a lot of things that are constituted as dirty work, uh, a lot of not glamorous roles within this defense. And because of his versatility, He can play a ton of snaps, and he might not be the best coverage guy in the world. He might not be the best pass rusher in the world. But to have a guy who can stack, play on the edge, or play in coverage, as all three things Kyle Van Noy can do, that has a lot of value for a versatile defense like we have here in Miami. Tua Tungvaloa, nominated for the Pepsi Rookie of the Week. As of the time of this recording, Tua Tungvaloa, holding 42% of the vote, appearing to be well on his way, despite the efforts of some bitter Chargers fans who have attempted to scheme and pull together to avoid Tua Tungvaloa getting the love he deserves for his performance against the Bengals. That's okay. Tua appearing to be well on his way to securing Rookie of the Week for his effort in Week 13. I finished charting the Dolphin miraculously. Crab's household is still on baby watch. Uh, the Crabs House also managed to finish charting 
the Dolphins' offensive performance in Week 13 against the Bengals. And one of the things that we've been overly emphatic on on this podcast is that two tight end sets are the way to go for the Dolphins. Well, we did the numbers. The Dolphins ran 12 personnel on 31 snaps against the Bengals. They're season high. 64% of their snaps were taken with two or more tight ends on the field when you count 22 personnel with two backs and two tight ends or 13 personnel with one back and three tight ends. 64%, that is a season high. And guess what? The Bengals have once again won the football game. There's a very firm line that you can draw as it pertains uh, to the Dolphins' win-loss records. Any time that the Dolphins are under 50% of their snaps taken in 11 personnel, this trend is continuing now. The Dolphins win when there's less than 50% of snaps taken in 11 personnel. So to see the Dolphins get back to, after playing 85% of the snaps in 11 against the Broncos, and how ugly that was, to see the Dolphins come out 35% 11 personnel, 64% two tight ends on the field for the Dolphins against the Bengals, it's a big win. And continuing to, to bear the fruit of multiple tight ends on the field. For this season, what would you do if I told you that the Dolphins in 12 personnel are averaging a grand total of 6.19 yards per play? You contrast that to 5.37 yards per play out of 11 personnel. The Dolphins are averaging nearly a full yard more per play when there are two tight ends on the field and 12 personnel than 11 personnel. This is the key to keeping opposing defenses off balance and avoiding teams kind of teeing off on you and flooding the box and getting numbers advantages. Mike Isecki is athletic enough. He can count as a wide receiver or a tight end. The Dolphins against the Bengals actually started to use him on some insert blocks, which they have not done at all. It's always been Durham Smythe or Adam Shaheen or Mac Hollins or, or at times even Limbo and Jr. earlier in the season did it. This is the first time I've seen the Dolphins consistently using Mike Gusecki on insert blocks out of two tight end sets, tendency breakers, keeping the opposing team off balance. I loved it. I loved it. They went uh, 58% of their snaps in the first half, 30 plays. They were in 11 personnel. They had a decent first half. But the third quarter, when they had 181 yards of offense, 20 out of 24 plays, there were two tight ends on the field. They ran no huddle and just two tight end down the field, and they kept Cincinnati on their heels the entirety of that possession and that quarter. It was a beautiful thing to see. And as somebody who's a proponent, a big proponent of two-plus tight ends for this offense, felt good. Felt good seeing those two tight ends out there. Last thing I get into before we get into the crossover series uh, with Locked On Chiefs, uh, Rashad, my guy, hit me up and he said, listen, you know, off the heels of the Bengals game, I have a hypothetical. I'd like to, to leave it for you. So Rashad asked, if the Bengals this offseason decide to revert back to their old habits of being cheap and place a first-round tender on Jesse Bates instead of signing him to a lucrative contract extension, would you immediately submit a multi-year qualifying offer if you are Chris Greer, giving the Dolphins three players in their secondary, averaging over $15 million per season? 
It's a great question uh, because Jesse Bates is a friggin' stud. <laughs> Let's call a spade a spade. Not a lot of appealing things about the Bengals roster. Jesse Bates is one of them. He's much younger than Bobby McCain. Uh, Bobby had some tackling issues in the past. Jesse's been known in the past for tackling issues. Jesse is a little bit more rangy and a little longer than Bobby. I think, you know, as a true center fielder, he's probably more of a pure fit. But the financial commitment's kind of where I get stuck because, you know, you're talking about $15 million per year for a player when you already have two of those on the back end and a first-round pick. Jesse Bates is good, but is the leap from Bobby McCain and what he can offer you for the next couple years to Jesse Bates, who has a couple more years left in his physical prime, but you have to pay effectively twice as much money and give up a first-round pick for it. Is that worth it? And if you would have asked me this in the summer, I might have said yes. But uh, having watched Bobby play the first 12 games of this season and be a completely different player and a, a much more effective free safety as the last line of defense in tackling situations and being showcasing sufficient range as a single high guy with two stud corners, um, I don't think I would. And, and it, it's more about the price. If it was just signing big money, I'd probably be comfortable. If it was just trading a one and you get a couple years on a rookie deal, I'd probably be comfortable. But we're talking both. And that, for me, that, that's probably too hard of a pill to swallow. So I would probably pass on that specific investment opportunity for Jesse Bates. But Rashad, I love the question. We here at the Locked On Network have been big-time proponents of the Built brand, and Built's newest product, Built Go, just ups the ante even more. It's a workout gel that's built to help you break through your mental or physical wall each and every day. It's easy to take. It comes in a one-and-a-half-ounce package. You put it in your back pocket, in your golf bag, in your briefcase, in your glove compartment, wherever, and it's always ready to go when you are, it's the best workout gel on the market. It's like five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. It's like drinking a Monster with a third of the caffeine and better results. It comes in three delicious flavors. My personal favorite is chocolate mint, but there's also peanut butter honey and chocolate coconut. Bilko combines energy gel with collagen protein, which is fast-absorbing, and it gets into your system fast, and it's easier on your stomach. It's loaded with the good stuff to ignite your system. Beta-alanine, B3, honey, caffeine. And it's built to kick all day long with B6 and B12. So visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Speaking of let's go, let's go enjoy this crossover series with Locked On Chiefs as we prepare for the most important Dolphins game in what, a decade? Week 17, 2008, division championship on the line. This is a big deal, and the Dolphins with their record of 8-4, a lot on the line, a lot to prove. So I asked Chris of, of Locked On Chiefs about some of Kansas City's recent close games, and here's what he had to say. And I think, you know, one big thing that's happened to Kansas City this season is every week they get the team's best shot. Uh, every every team that they play this year is try to give them their best shot. And I think that does affect a team. And, you know, you look at the Broncos game this past week, specifically on Sunday Night Football, 
Um, you know, there's different things that went into that game. Uh, you know, seven players supposedly tested positive and then found out they're false positives and they got woke up at three o'clock in the morning. How many players, you know, had to deal with that? You know, how does that affect them? You know, what players? We don't even have any ideas on that. But then you look at that Denver game specifically in different instances. Tyree Kill catches a touchdown pass that everybody thinks he dropped. Doesn't get challenged. Yeah, even Tyreek, and it doesn't get challenged. If if that and they end up punting the ball, if that's a touchdown, they beat Denver by two scores, and you know the rest of it is not even close. And then you get into different play calling inside the five yard line. I mean, running the ball to, or running the ball three times in a row inside the five and not scoring a touchdown, uh, you you can't do that in the National Football League and be successful. Uh, and then the, then you have other instances where uh, the Denver defensive lineman got their hands up and got in the way of a Patrick Mahomes pass that probably goes for a touchdown uh, with wide open people. So you just have missed situation after missed situation after missed situation. And that doesn't even count the one that Tyree Kill caught that got called back for a hold that I don't think was really something that should have been called. So, you know, you look at these different games and yeah, I get, especially this Denver game where there people are surprised that the Chiefs only scored 22 points they easily left 14 to 15, maybe even 20 points on the field in uh, that game. So, uh, you know, a lot of questions regarding this team in, in one-score games. I will say this, the Buccaneers are a really good team. Uh, that was the game before the Denver game. And as far as the Raiders are concerned, uh, when the Raiders are playing Kansas City, especially this year, it's their Super Bowl. So uh, they've got a good offense, and Kansas City's defense isn't great. So it doesn't surprise me that the games have been close. Another point of emphasis I wanted to get into and ask Chris specifically about was the offensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs, which has several new faces in new places, including former Dolphins center Daniel Kilgore as a part of the unit. They've struggled. Uh, the interior of the offensive line is, is a big struggle right now. And, and honestly, you know, Eric Fisher has been playing pretty decent. Uh, he got nicked up, but it looks like he's okay. Uh, he got nicked up a couple weeks ago, but he's played through it and he's been fine. Uh, really missing Mitchell Schwartz at right tackle. I think that's been uh, something that's really hurt them because uh, he's a fantastic player out there and he really hasn't been his normal self the entire season, even when he was playing. Uh, but he's on IR, so he's not available. Uh, Rimmers has stepped in and done a pretty good job. The problem really that you have is that Kansas City has a offensive line that's a lot different than what you have in Miami and that they are built more for to be athletic and to you know get to the second level and try to do uh, you know their run blocking that way and it just really hasn't worked out for Kansas City. They're really struggling in the middle. Uh, Allegretti, I think, has played well for the most part, but uh, when he gets beat, you know, pressure right up the gut is going to kill plays. Uh, luckily, you've had Patrick Mahomes back there and he's been able to get out of some of those. Uh, but you know, the, the big one that stands, stands out to me, and I'm glad you mentioned Kilgore, I thought Kilgore, when he stepped in for Kansas City to start, really played really well. Uh, I'm surprised that they didn't continue to let him start, and I think that could have really solidified or at least helped in the interior of that offensive line where they struggle at center in, in the two guard positions. Kansas City will enter this football game presumably having a healthier Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, which will certainly boost the Chiefs' running game, but... Last week, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire dressed for the game but was a non-participant in the football game. So I asked Chris specifically about Edwards-Hilaire, if Dolphins should fans should expect to see him, and if so, what kind of role he will carry this week. 
You know, that's a big question, and I'm not sure that you will see him full strength. I would think that you should. But the one thing that came out was he lost several pounds uh, due to his illness. And so they were just basically taking it easy on him, and they had him dressed because if they needed him, he, he could play. But they didn't want to put him in that position to play if he didn't have to. And when you go out and you bring in a guy like Le'Veon Bell, that really allows you to uh, be in a position where you don't have to go and play a Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And, and that's a great luxury for Kansas City to have. So I would expect that he plays uh, this week. I don't know that he'll have his normal 20, 25 touches, but I think he'll probably be uh, 15 to 20. And, and he could get to 20 to 25. It really just depends on how this week goes for him. I know he's feeling better, but it's a question of when you lose you know, two or three pounds and, and you're a huge athlete like he is, uh, you know, that can really affect you. Uh, de- dehydration isn't something you mess with and, and losing the ability to, uh, you know, work out and, and do those types of things can really affect your game as well. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch this season, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the league of football watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. One of the big questions for the Dolphins offense is, can they keep Kansas City on their heels? And what is going on with the Kansas City Chiefs' pass rush? The lack of pass rush for the Chiefs is an area for the Dolphins to potentially exploit in this football game. So I made sure to ask Chris about Frank Clark and Chris Jones and whether or not the Chiefs would be able to heat up the quick passing game of the Miami Dolphins in this football contest. You know, I think you look at the way that Kansas City's defense has been playing, and I completely agree their pass rush has not been what you would expect or want. Uh, And I think that's definitely something to be concerned about. I do think that what you see is that Chris Jones is still creating havoc in the middle, uh, and he is getting double teamed a lot, and that's the reason he doesn't necessarily have sack numbers. Uh, Frank Clark's been doubled a lot as well. One of the things that Clark doesn't get enough credit for is he is a stout run defender, and that's absolutely something that this defense needs because they struggle against the run regardless. Uh, So him being out there on the edge really helps in the running game, but he hasn't been getting after the passer as much as you would like. Uh, I do think that this team really struggles because they don't have uh, great pass rushers, Uh, and I think that's one of the things that you saw early on in the season is I think Taco Charlton showed the ability to get after the pass passer a little bit, and that really helped because that gave Frank Clark on the other, somebody on the other side that they had to at least focus on a little bit. And right now, the Chiefs just don't really have that. And so, you know, offensive lines are able to shut down Jones and shut down Clark by sitting multiple uh, blockers at them, and that's really hurt them when it comes to getting after the passer. Can the Dolphins secure a dub? It's a great question. But if you want to find out, you're going to have to tune in for our last episode this week. So make sure you hit subscribe on the podcast. We'll go through building a game plan to defeat the Kansas City Chiefs, how they can potentially pull off the upset, what that would look like, and more. So hit subscribe. Thanks, as always, for keeping it locked in here on Locked on Dolphins. As always, I'm so thankful for all of your listenership, those of you who are reaching out, extending best wishes as the Crabs household remains on Baby Watch. And uh, I'm looking forward to welcoming a new member of the family and hopefully welcoming a ninth Dolphins dub this weekend against the Kansas City Chiefs. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. I'll talk to you guys again soon.